This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to It's a Doggy Dog World. I'm your host, Liz Palaika, and with me today are my good friends, Petra Burke. Hello. And Kate Abbott. How do? And as we're recording this, Hurricane Irma is battering, ravaging, beating up, tearing up Florida. We've all got friends and family in Florida. I know I've been checking the news often and Facebook often for safety messages that my friends and relatives are safe or that they've posted. It's a scary, scary thing. And of course, Hurricane Harvey was just a few weeks ago. So what we'd like to talk about in this podcast is an issue that all three of us have thought about, talked about previously. And and because pets are such a huge part of our lives, and if you're listening to this podcast, they are to you also. Dogs, but not just dogs, cats and other pets. I watched a video on Facebook this afternoon of a woman who brought her two horses through the house and into her garage. She said their shed, you know, they don't need a heavy-duty barn in Florida, and their shed would be demolished. I think somebody had brought their house in their uh, living room or something. They had, yeah. I'd seen that on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. This woman, I'd bring my horse. I thought about it. I thought, you know, if I had something goes on, I'd bring my horse in my garage. Yeah. Oh, she set up yeah. a wonderful stall in the garage. It. Yeah. it I bet her horses are not going to be happy to go back outside. (laughs) But anyway, rescuing dogs from disasters is a huge thing now. And it's wonderful. Saving lives is absolutely wonderful. But transporting large numbers of pets from one area to another is more than just rescuing them after a natural disaster. It's become, and I hate to call it big business, but it's almost become big business, for many rescues and it's not without some dangers now Kate did some research and there were a couple of rescues in New England who spay and neuter well the the regions the locales their spay and neuter programs their educational programs have been so successful that the number of pets in the local shelters is drastically reduced and since Education has increased to the point that people are encouraged to adopt rather than shop for pets, which is fine. I, th- I think there's a place for both options. But if people want to adopt and the shelter's empty, then the shelters feel like they need to get some pets. They even have a term for it, retail rescue. Oh, that's bad. I don't I, like that. I know. But it's... Uh... A number of the, mostly in the northeast or in the northern portions of the United States, um, there's been a big drive for spay and bigger, newer shelters. With all of that going on, that's absolutely wonderful, but that has reduced the number of strays in their area or relinquishments. And so they've got these wonderful, modern, big shelters with not enough dogs and cats in them. Whereas in the southern part of the United States, gross generalization warning coming here, but still, the numbers of spayed and neutered are not as high. So there are more unwanted dogs and cats in the southern states. I think we've got cultural mores, educational mores. There are some differences in the attitudes. Yep. 
weather's more conducive to leaving the animals outside. I don't know. There's all sorts of reasons. Right. And that's not this podcast. But what is happening is there's an oversupply in the south and an undersupply in the north, so they're moving them up north. Here in Southern California, we see, especially San Diego, we see a number of rescues going down to Mexico and picking up dogs, not cats so much, but dogs, and bringing them into San Diego, and and I believe some go up to L.A. also. But in our training classes here, we see a number of dogs from Baja and Mm -hmm. Tijuana and other spots in Mexico. Well, like we were talking earlier, bear shelters are full of chihuahuas. Chihuahuas. (laughs) Chihuahuas. Chihuahuas. (laughs) And uh, pit bulls or mixes of. And not a lot of people, that's just that brain may not fit their lifestyle. Yeah. There's not a lot of options um, at shelters. Well, when we were, we as Inquired Spirits were looking for a potential service dog to train for someone, we went to numerous shelters and chihuahuas and pit bulls and the pities that we saw were not of the temperament that was needed for this particular job. Or the height, actually. Or the height, yes, yes. And uh, and no hate mail, please. We like pitties as well as any other breed, but when you're looking for a specific dog for service dog work, there are some characteristics that this dog needed to have, and we didn't find that. One of them was he had to be tall enough to be leaned upon. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, he needed a big dog. So, yeah, there's a lot of reasons, I think, why it's done. Even if we don't look at the commercial aspect of it that many rescues do. But we do have to realize that that's a part of it. And retail rescue doesn't really tell the whole story because it... Well, let me back up. I started looking at the results of animals being moved because of natural disasters primarily. Katrina and Harvey and Irma. And I was sort of stumbled into and was a little surprised by this is an ongoing thing. This is moving from one area to the other. That became the surprise to me. Yeah, I, um, I knew it's been going on for a number of years. I guess the numbers. Um, there's a shelter... Oh, gosh. Lost track. I think it was in Vermont. And, um, nope, Salem, Massachusetts. There we go. They adopted out in... Uh, before 2012, they were adopting out about 300 dogs a year. So about one a day. Almost. In 2013... They adopted out 4,400. That's great. Yeah. 3,300 came from out of state. That's a huge number. Now, most of the time, these are groups of volunteers. If it's like a Pony Express handoff package mm-hmm. that are moving these pups and cats around. So it's not, I don't think anybody's making a lot of money off of this. There are, the, I'm sure, the occasional scammers, because I came across plenty of warnings about yeah, right. yeah, buying there, a dog in another state. There are some rescues that take advantage of people's heartstrings. Not yeah. all. No hate mail, folks. But there are some. And there's been programs, like, yeah, I watch what, National Geographic or uh, Animal Planet, and there's been stings operations yeah. with these people who have been caught. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, they're out there, and it's pretty sad. Yeah. I mean, it would be wonderful someday to, that we don't need shelters anywhere, right? <laughs> but well, okay. then then you wouldn't be able to say <laughs> adopt, don't shop. You know, so it's a double-edged sword. I think in some regions, the educational program of adopt, don't shop is so successful that they're putting themselves out of business. And that's not good. It's not bad. 
but it leads to the shipping in of dogs from other areas. Mm -hmm. To meet the need. Yeah. yeah. Now, one of the problems, well, there's several problems, and we're going to discuss a number of them, is when they're bringing in dogs from other countries. You know, there's been shipments of golden retrievers from Turkey. There's been shipments of dogs from, and I'll say this with an asterisk on either side, meat farm dogs from Asia, from several different places. And I put the asterisks there because I don't know how much we know that these were actually meat farm rescued dogs, or were these dogs strays from the street, or were these dogs from shelters there. We don't really know, but shipments of dogs that are labeled for the potential, to tug at the heartstrings of the potential adopters as meat farm dogs. So there's dog, and that then to Mexico for those of us in the Southwest. So it's true for people that as we are able to move more freely about the planet, mm -hmm. so do the diseases and parasites that travel with us. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's the same with our puppy dogs and cats. Mm -hmm. So whether it's from the south to the north or from another country into the United States, there is an increased risk of disease and parasite transmission. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean we can't do it, but mm -hmm. we need to be aware of it. We've been keeping in touch with the local veterinarians around us because of the uh, resurgence of various canine flus. And uh, I had heard, and when I was talking to our veterinarian, she confirmed it, that a group of dogs that came in to L.A. from overseas, from Asia, brought a variant of the canine flu with them. Thankfully, either a veterinarian, a vet tech, or one of the rescuers, I, she didn't know exactly who, recognized it, and that whole group of dogs was quarantined. So it didn't get out, it didn't escape from that group of dogs. But what if somebody wasn't that quick? Yeah. The canine flu could have been loose in Los Angeles like it is in many other parts of the country. And that could have been a new variant. We could have had multiple. So there's a problem. One of the things that gave me the idea for this whole topic was a posting on Facebook. And there is no who said it. There's no, and I haven't been able to trace where this statement came from. But it's been widely shared. I've seen it a few places. Supposedly, it is from a vet in the Texas area, and he is just wanting to share with the other dog owners and veterinarians that these dogs that are being evacuated from Houston, that everybody needs to be aware that Houston was in the midst of an outbreak of the H3N2, which is a flu virus for dogs, uh, when Harvey hit. And I, I haven't been able to verify that either. But it's not without possibility. Parvovirus is low grade there, according to the statement. 80% of the dogs in that area over the age of six months, so it is claimed, test positive for heartworms. And I believe that in a heartbeat, mm -hmm. no pun intended. And then it goes on to say, we also have a lot of leptospirosis. Oh, heterobilharzias. Harzia. That's blood flukes. A parasite. I had to look that up. Uh, occasional case of, and I may not pronounce this right, pithiosis, which is a water mold. I call that a parasite. So it gets into the lungs and intestines. Even chagas, which is transmittable between people and animals and insects that way. 
So whether this is completely accurate or not, it does, it made me think about transmission and carrying things from one part to the other. Doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. But to take those extra time to be a little more, and something like heartworms, that's become more and more constant throughout the United States. Well, it, it became a problem throughout the United States when dogs were moved. Exactly. No, it was in the southeast. And it's still going to have the highest predominance in areas where there are the mosquitoes, because right. they carry it. And where there's no winter freeze. Yeah. Right. But we never used to have it here in Southern California. Yeah. I remember when uh, Paul and I got orders back to Washington, D.C. with the Marine Corps. We rented a house in Northern Virginia, and our neighbor saw our two dogs and said, Did you start heartworm preventative? Did I start what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure I sounded like an idiot, but we didn't have it in California at all. Well, and, uh, years ago, 20 odd years ago. Well, I'm, um, not, I'm not counting years either. <laughs> when I was a vet tech, um, we had the local community, but we also had a number of clients from a very wealthy community in San Diego called Rancho Santa Fe. And they travel a lot with their pets. Mm-hmm. The first cases of heartworm that we saw in our clinic here in San Diego came out of Rancho Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our first cases yeah. came from Camp Pendleton. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Traveling around. Traveling, yeah. And they're now preventative, so if people know this, then they can start doing the prevention. If the vets know that the dog is from an area that is subject to this blood fluke, then they can be more aware of the symptoms to look for. If you're not thinking of endemic diseases in your area as being these things, mm-hmm then you may not look at the symptoms the same way as a vet. Well, the ASPCA has policy and position statements on animal transport for adoption, and I think if this could be, whether you believe in the ASPCA or not, whether you have problems with their policies or not, or or their fundraising or whatever, these are good... Guidelines? Yeah, Yeah, these are good guidelines. For one, animals must be examined by a veterinarian, must be in good health, vaccinated, dewormed, and treated for external parasites. Animals crossing state lines must have health certificates issued within five to seven days of transport. Many states already have those. I know California does. That doesn't necessarily mean that when you cross the border into California, somebody's checking. Mm. They always ask if you have fruits and vegetables but they don't always check for the animals. But many states already have these as law, and I think if this could be enforced, if rescues and shelters and transports would adhere to these, that would cut down a lot of problems. Second, animals who need extensive medical treatment during transport should not be transported, nor should any animal with a communicable or infectious disease nor any pregnant animals. That doesn't say there's exceptions. It says no. And I'm thinking of all of these wonderful volunteers. I know there's a couple on my feedbook page that they're always posting pictures. Oh, I have this puppy dog overnight, and Mm -hmm. uh, next tomorrow I'm going to travel a couple hundred miles and pass it on. These are animal lovers, so they have their own as well. Yeah. I want for their good-heartedness that these animals to be safe for them to transport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For their own homes. 
But you also have to I think of, they could be picking something up from just yeah, overnight from, stay that they may not have ever had before. So when they it go could go two fifteen ways. different hands. Right? Yeah, it could be a two way street too. Dog could have ticks that jump off in the house. Mange mites. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we need to take a break for our sponsors. So hold on. We've got a lot more to talk about when we get back. Sit. Stay. It's a doggy dog world. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Tonica, the German shepherd that I rescued, was stinky, skinny, and scrawny, full of skin rashes and scratching. And I started feeding Tonica Dynavite, and he became such a happier, itch-free, stink-free dog that I dug deeper into the website. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. What if in addition to Dynavite, we do the raw beef and the egg diet and see what happens? Forget all these 50-pound bags, the formulated, extruded, processed cereal bits that cost a ton of money anyways. This dog's as close to a wolf as you can get. They're carnivores. With just the raw meat and the eggs and the Dynavite and Super Omega on top of it, it just balances out his body and his mind and his spirit. It's it's unbelievable. Hey, if you're thinking about rescuing a dog, you got to start them out on Dynavite, D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio dot com. We know you're begging for more. So back to It's a Doggy Dog World with your fetching hosts, Liz Palaika and this week's co-hosts, Kate Abbott and Petra Burke. Welcome back to It's a Doggy Dog World. This is your host, Liz Palaika, with my good friends, Petra Burke and Kate Abbott. Number three on this list, animals should be behaviorally assessed. Aggressive or excessively fearful animals should only be shipped if the receiving shelter offers a training rehabilitation program and is committed to working with the animals. We know they don't do this. We see the Mm -hmm. end result, people calling Mm -hmm. us for help. I know a lot of the animals we see come up from Mexico have problems. You know, if they've been astray on the street, they've been kicked, yelled at, rocks thrown at. Driven off. Driven off, chased. Most of them have, or I should say, it's very rare that they don't have issues, Mm -hmm. including a lack of trust in people. There's another thing that sparked this topic for me was watching on the news a plane load of dogs and cats arriving, I think it was in Illinois, ahead of Harvey, and watching them come out of the crates. They were terrified. And let's say we shouldn't do it because obviously that was saving their lives. But they're going to need additional help to get over that trauma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 with Har- with Harvey, I I think we should clarify most of the animals that have so far been shipped out from the aftermath of Harvey have been to clear the shelter so that animals rescued from the floods could be put into those places so owners could hopefully find their animals again. That was a lesson learned from Katrina. Yes. 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 Yeah. So yes. these, yeah, so the ones that are being flown out, driven out, however transported, are adoptable. Right. Animals. Right. Yeah. 
Whereas, and, I, and, I, and I did see you mentioning, because I had seen that too, where the dogs were fearful. And I, I spoke to, or no, I heard of a shelter director who was very, she made it very clear that these guys, when she gets them into her shelter, they will have a couple weeks or so, depending. Downtime, veterinary, you know, the whole nine yards, Perfect. spay, neutered, everything before actually being available for that. Which I thought that was great. Yeah. Because they are yeah. terrified. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, some of the rescues, and we should put this out here, we're not anti-rescue. No. We've all rescued. We've all adopted rescues. We're not anti-rescue. We would like rescues to do it better. But I know watching a shipment of dogs and cats and kittens come into San Diego just in the last few days from Harvey, the banner on the bottom of the screen these animals will be available, blah, 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 like in days, like in two or three days. And they had everybody walk in. Instead of carrying them in in carriers, they had people pulling them out of carriers and showing the camera this cute little puppy and this adorable dog. And like you say, a lot of them were scared to death. Yeah. So they've and already been moved. Massive transport, car or plane or whatever. Right. Right. They've yeah. probably not been used to. And then they arrived at cameras and all the commotion. And yeah. Yeah, probably and the, some of that is needed so that people will adopt. But gosh, right at that moment? Yeah, was just, I was cussing at my TV screen. Yeah. You know, so, and I, I know they were getting the publicity. They were tugging at the heartstrings. Help get these animals it's like a adopted. a fine line. Yeah, it's, there's a it's, real... It's tough. There's a fine line. Are you doing right by this animal to do this? But yet, yes, you want to publicize it. But you know what? Even if you came back in two weeks, we're not going to forget about Harvey. If these shelters or rescues then went on camera and said, this baby's been with us for two weeks. He's spayed. He's neutered. He's healthy. He's had his shots. He's been Guess what? We know a little bit more about his personality. Yeah. 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 This one does good with other dogs. This would better be better an only dog. This one's great with cats. This one not so much. This one loved when I brought my kids to the shelter. He kissed them all over. Yeah. I mean, it would just be so much more fair to the animal. But because you want to place them in that forever home, it helps if you know their and sometimes I. I hear people complaining there's a, a rescue group in the area and they're like it was 15 pages i had to fill out and hours of of interviews before they'd let me adopt a dog and i'm like well yeah they may be a little bit over the top but still they have a very low what would i want to say recidivism yeah failure rate <laughs> failure rate yeah because right. of that because right. they know the dogs and cats personality and they do take time to match them right one dog, one cat does not fit all sizes. Yeah. So the more they know, the better. Right. Some of the other uh, suggestions from the ASPCA, obviously, I should say obviously, maybe this needs to be said, but receiving shelters must have sufficient space for the, the pets that are coming in without displacing any healthy or treatable animals from their own communities. Copies of pet health records and, and behavior assessments should be transported with each individual animal. Did you notice uh, that too? They were showing that each of the um, crates or kind of whatever they were transported in um, had, in this one I would look at, it had blue folders, folders taped to the top. About 
that. Yeah. Yeah, which was great to see. Yeah. Animals should wear identification. Transport vehicles must be clean and disaffected between shipments. I bet most volunteers who are running one or two dogs for a rescue don't do that. I have seen so many pictures of this woman who does this with the dog sitting next to her on her car seat. Yeah. This, she's, I really, really doubt that yeah. she's disinfecting in between. Yeah. She's not had a problem so far, I'm sure, but Knock on wood. it only takes once. Mm. Yeah. I mean, just, I fostered kittens, and the yeah. incidences I've had of kittens coming with disease, it's scary. At least half of them. At least half. And boy, I've scrubbed my cat room down yeah, <laughs> last time know. I bleached yeah, it. We hear about it. <laughs> oh, no, you do. Another recommendation, shelters must have a spay and neuter and education program in place. I think most shelters do. I, I yeah. don't know if all of the importing rescues do. So those are some of the, uh, the primary ones that the ASPCA has. And I think they're good guidelines. It would be nice to see if more rescues could implement those. And no, apparently nobody's tracking the numbers. Even the U.S. Department of Agriculture doesn't track how many dogs are transported across state lines. I mean, how would they? But um, being aware. And we've been talking about medical and a little bit about emotional. And if you adopt one of these dogs or cats, but more especially the dogs, I think, because we take them out in public, give them some time to adjust. Yeah, to the new home, new people. We typically tell our students that a newly adopted dog needs at least three months. A dog who's gone through significant trauma could need six months. My two cats that were originally caught in a feral cat colony, even as kittens, I've had them two years now and they still show a really strong flight response. Anything is new or scary or whatever, poof! which is why they don't go outside other than the very secure catio. Right. Their favorite thing is under the bed, and I'm good with that. If they get scared, if they can be comfortable under the bed, that's awesome. But they've been with me for two years, and they still have that. My last house sitter, when I went on vacation, never saw the two white cats. Right. <laughs> I don't think she believed me. She thought Kirk used the litter box a lot <laughs> and ate a lot of food. But uh, she never saw the two white cats, so, yeah. And on a personal note here, this is just me. I do believe in adopting from shelters when it's appropriate for you and the dog. Yeah. But please do not put that brand on them for the rest of their lives. Oh, let's not. Let's not. Yeah, that's... Once you adopt them... A lot of weight on their shoulders. It's not... They don't need to carry all that baggage. We have... All three of us at various times have, have made the comment to students with a dog that is forever labeled, he's a rescue dog. No, he's not. And that's he's, why he can't do A, B, C, D, right. E. No. No. He's your dog and... He has a new life. He has a new life with you. It's a fresh beginning. Yes. And he doesn't need to carry that. I think we yes. even did an entire podcast on that whole subject. So yes. Probably did. It's yeah. still a big point for me. Yeah. My first dog of my own as a 19 year old was a German Shepherd. He was a rescue. His litter was dumped alongside a road in San Diego County and they were surviving off a roadkill. German Shepherd Rescue picked him up. I didn't label that poor flea-ridden, worm-ridden, sick puppy as a rescue all his life. No, he's my dog and my gosh he earned 
high-end trials at obedience trials. He earned obedience titles. He was a search and rescue dog. He was the first German Shepherd to go to the World Frisbee Championships. He had all these accomplishments. Never again did I call him a rescue dog. He was my dog. I would prefer the term they're survivors. Yeah. Smart enough and strong enough to yeah. have survived what they've gone through and now to celebrate that. Right. There you go. Right. So, yes, dogs need rescuing all over the world. Let's just do it a little smarter. Yep. And our just thoughts and a prayers. A wise adoptee. Yes. Our thoughts and they prayers are. with all the people and animals and Harvey and Ernest Mads. And any, yep. fu- any future... Yeah. <laughs> any future disasters to come the wildfires, the wildfires in, yeah. in the northwest and yeah, yeah. Gonna, gonna, with. yeah we'll probably see animals from that too eventually yep unfortunately east west to east coast yep all right take care everyone bye-bye bye-bye having a rough day longing for the dog days of summer think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life Well, find out everything you're begging to know as Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with pet expert and award-winning author, Liz Palaika. Every dog has his day, and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.